Yeah, it's news, news, ABC coming at you live, finally, on Vlog Talk Radio. That's my lovely studio here in Kent, Washington. Welcome to the ABC podcast on Vlog Talk Radio. I take modern dating and I disembowel it for your entertainment. We have a call in. If you want to call in, it's area code 563-999-3596. Area code 563-999-3596. If you need advice on something or if you have a question or comment or concern, call in. Let's discuss it. If not, sit back, enjoy the enjoy the lecture. Looks like Blog Talk Radio got their stuff together Friday. So big round of applause for Blog Talk Radio. They did looks like they did the darn thing. Took them a couple weeks. That's fine, but they looks it looks like they got it together. So proud of you, proud of you boys over at over at BTR. You did looks like you did your thing. Today I want to talk about conflict resolution. I've been promising this from before last week, so it's probably around Christmas. I've been promising a show after the New Year on conflict resolution because it's very important to know how to how to handle those little those little fires and conflagrations that come up. So this is what we're going to do today. Let me bring this in a little bit closer. This is what we're going to do today is learn how to effectively manage those conflicts. But first, you know, a lot of you women wonder why why it is and how it is that we're right is that we think feminism, us men, some of us men, other other men who still support feminism don't understand this. They don't see this yet. I guess because they're too mired in the cause to to even see it or to figure it out. But those of us who walked away from feminism, like I did, there are just certain things that we see. And one of the things that we see is the increasing, and it's out there now. We used to see it, but now it's out there. Let me, let me make this brighter. I can't even see it. So here's the thing. Because when I walked away from feminism, this was shining like a big flashlight in my face. And then, now it's a thing that Harbor President Claudine gave her time. Of course she did, because never mind, this isn't a political show, so I'm not even going to get into her. Um, but here's the, So here's the thing. Now there's a report on the increasing misery on index of women. This is what I'm trying to get at in my book first. The increasing min- misery index in women, and women is really playing into your ability to... to get into and hold a relationship because you are so miserable. And one of the main reasons why you are so miserable is because you're working too hard. Now, here's the thing. Why do you wonder how this could be or how it is that I can, that I come to say this? Well, let me go straight to a good source of mine. Now, again, I read a lot of studies and I I do a lot of scientific data. I'm not going to do that this time. This time I'm going to go to a source that I've known since my childhood, right? It's the Holy Bible. And let me tell you, let me tell you biblically why this is happening. Now, I'm, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I never went to, I never went to a theological seminary, never did any of those things. I just read the Bible. And it's right in the beginning of the Bible why you, why you women are going through this, right? Now, here's the thing. In Genesis chapter three, right? Let me pull that up. All right, Genesis chapter three. What happened? What happens in Genesis, right? And I'm going through a. I'm going through something called Canonicals, 365 days of reading the Bible cover to cover. This is why I'm doing. Then this, when this came up, it was like like a flashlight in my face. Here's the thing. 
what happened in Genesis? Genesis in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. Now, whether you believe in creation or whatever, that's inconsequential to this part. This part of the discussion. But God created Adam and Eve. God gave Adam and Eve assignments. He gave them specific gender roles. This is where the whole gender role thing that was passed down throughout millennia. This is where this comes from, right? God assigned God assigned gender roles, not patriarchy. Not some subset of men that's somewhere in government and academia or something like no. God assigned gender roles. So when you go around saying dismantle gender roles, understand that you're literally trying to dismantle something that God put in place. And I don't think I don't think humans have ever successfully dismantled anything that God put in place. Call me call me crazy, but I don't think it's happened in the hundreds of thousands of years of history or even the thousands of years of recorded history. I don't think it's ever happened. But I digress. Let's go back. And let's see. So I created Adam and Eve. He gave him gender rules. He said, Adam, you're going to work the field and you're going to tend this garden. Eve, but when when God saw Adam alone, he said, I'm going to make a help meet for you. Now, it doesn't mean that Eve is going to tend the garden with him. That's not him. That's not it. Eve was in a support role. So while Adam worked, Eve took care of the things that helped Adam complete his mission, such as keeping him nourished. And if she was going to be a mother, and she was going to be a mother, she had three children. Um, yes, she had three. If you read the Bible, you know she had three, not two. So she had three children and was tasked with raising them and, and things, right? So that was Eve's assignment, the domestic duties. And Adam was the one who went out and worked. God told Adam to tend the garden. And this is why the fall of man is not on Eve, it's on Adam. So when they say, oh, women committed the original sin, yes, however, the real original sin, I mean, according to what's out there, according to the, the common knowledge, that yes, Eve took of the, Eve took and ate of the, of the, Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge first, yes. However, Adam really committed the first sin because God told him to tend this garden and to keep this garden. And anybody and anybody knows that when they say keep the garden, it doesn't mean that it's yours to possess because God put them there too. However, Adam was supposed to keep the garden as a goalkeeper keeps the goal. So you soccer fans, you football fans, understand what I'm saying. A goalkeeper keeps the goal. What does that mean? That means you got to keep you got to you got to keep that ball out of the goal. You literally have to reject the ball, right? Because you don't want the ball in your goal. So your whole job is to is to be the keeper and get the and keep the ball from getting out of the keep the ball from going into the goal. God told Adam to keep the garden, right? So he's going to be the garden keeper, and he's supposed to bounce things out that's not supposed to be there, just much like the goalkeeper. What happened? Adam fell asleep on the job, and he didn't fall asleep literally, but Adam wasn't paying attention. And what happens when a goalkeeper doesn't pay attention? The ball gets past him, right? Adam wasn't paying attention, and the serpent slipped right past him because God, God, it was knowledge that the serpent was around, and the serpent was a beguiling creature. Because even God said the serpent was the most subtle creature of all the, of all of them. Adam knew this, right? Adam knew this. And it was his job to keep that serpent out. Adam wasn't paying attention. The serpent got past him, went to Eve because it knew that Eve was going to be the one that that was most easily influenced. 
which is why if you want to flip the idea of society, you don't go to men, you go to women. This is why liberal liberal institutions, if they want to convert conservative women, like the conservatives, liberal institutions target the women. This is why uh, Marxism and feminism is all targeted toward women. Just so you know. But um, again, this is not political. This is about you know this relationship should not political. Um, so the so the snake got past Eve. It tricked Eve, and because it told Eve, "No, God's lying. You wouldn't. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. It's just that when you ate the fruit, you're going to be like him, knowing right and wrong. And you know it's going to ascend your status. And what do women like ascended status, which is like hypergamy the thing. But let's not go there. Um. Eve, Eve looked at the tree, saw it was good, long before saw it was good for eating, so she took the fruit, ate it, gave it to gave it to Adam, Adam bit of the fruit, and they looked and they saw that they were naked, and the whole thing played out from there, right? Right. Okay. Let's skip to the punishments, because the punishments is where I'm going to go with this, right? I, I set the whole story to get to the punishments. Now, Genesis chapter 3. Um, in chapter 3, verse, what is this, 19? Yes, 319. God told Adam, or 317, let's start at 317. God handed Adam his punishment, and God said, well, the Bible says, And unto Adam he said, Thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall they bring forth for thee, and thou shalt eat forth the herb. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face thou shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the ground. For out of it thou wast taken. Wast thou taken? For dust thou art, and in dust thou shalt return. Women. Especially if you're a career woman, take this and apply this to you. Think about it. Just think about you going to work, advancing your career, and then how much harder it is to live life now that you've taken on the role of this man. And now you think about everything you're going through. Think, just think about everything you're going through. First is the ground for thy sake. Um, curse is the ground for thy sake. It's sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Think about this, ladies. Just think about it. Just think about what you're going through. All right? Being this career woman, being miserable, learning that you have to spend god-awful amounts of this of time on this job just to make en- to make ends meet. And it gets even worse if you're talking about trying to make over 100 grand, right? Because, again, making on making over 100 grand a year isn't, it isn't as easy as people think it is. There isn't a job that will just pay you 100 grand for 40 hours of work. It just doesn't happen it, unless you're like the super CEO. And even super CEOs, they spend an, an inordinate time. Uh, they, they spend an inordinate amount of time doing their work, both at work and at home. So don't get that twisted, all right? I've seen this. Now, think about it. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth for thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Think about it, ladies. Think about being lonely. Think about having to cook your own meals and how you wish you had a man around to support you, right? Welcome to what men go through. Now you want to take them, you want to take the role of a man 
this is what men go through. This is, men knew this because men had to go through this for millennia. You're just learning about this, so now you're now you're sitting here wondering why your misery index is where it is. Where men have been through this for millennia and have gotten used to this kind of lifestyle, so now we just shrug it off. But you, you're miserable now because you're finding it out. Let's do this again. Curse is a ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and also thistles, thorns also and thistles shall they bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt thou return. Think of all the people, the men, women. Think of all the women out there now, and men too, and men too, that die, and they die alone. You know, they don't have any doubt. Again, I'm not, I understand that there are people who happily, they were happily married and one spouse dies before the other. I get that. But right now I'm talking about the single people who are pretty much terminally single, and men who men have a, men are less likely to die alone than women. This is just a fact. However, women now that women are dying alone, they're understanding this whole thing about um, work, eating bread in the sweat of thy brow. Because again, they work and they work and they work to put the food on the table, and they do that until the day they die, because they've taken on the role of men, and now. This is their they've 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 co-opted this punishment. They've accepted this punishment now. Now that you've taken the role of men, you've agreed to take on this punishment, and now this is what you're getting. So do with that information what you will. However, because I'm not gonna I'm not trying to pass judgment. I'm just trying to say why things are the way they are. And again, yeah, some people may debate the source of this, right? However, I think enough people subscribe to this and they understand now when that's how certain things will apply to them if they do, if this is some kind of doctrine that they do believe. So there you go. You wonder why certain things happen. You wonder why the misery index has gone up, has gone up for women. You wonder why more women are dying single. You wonder why more women... Um, more women, it takes, even after these women die, it takes days to find out that they're dead because they're single, they die alone, nobody checks on them because of this, because they spent so much time working and so much time trying to co-opt, trying to co-opt the man's role and the man's responsibility that they've actually accepted this punishment from God that was specifically handed down for men. And now you're understanding what's going on. Now you're understanding what men are going through. But here's the deal. Men, we men, because this has been handed to us and we've had to spend more time going through this kind of punishment, we're used to it and we've learned how to adapt to it. And it took us several millennia where we learned how to adapt to it, right? We learned how to adapt to this being our punishment for life. And it starts with teaching our, teaching our sons, us men teaching our sons, that this is our lot in life, and this is how we navigate it, right? 
women, you don't understand this yet. You're, you're coming around to understanding this. But you haven't had the chance to figure it out. You haven't had the chance to figure out how to navigate it. So the misery index is way higher. Just like back in these days when this was actually being written, misery index were men off the charts. However, again, it was something that God decided to, it, it was something that God meant for us to go through. Because we know that hard times create strong men. We're not going to go through that whole thing. But hard times create strong men. This is part of hard times. Women, you're finding this out now. But you haven't learned how to navigate it. And this is why you're mis miserable right now. So you have a choice. You can either renounce it, right? And go back to a state where you are the help meet for the man. Or you can learn, like men, how to navigate it and then teach your daughters how to navigate it and not blame the patriarchy or blame Andrew Tate or Fresh and Fit or whatever the case may be. Learn how to, you have to learn not to blame them for the reason why thus thou art and to dust thou shalt return all the days of, in sweat of thy brow, all the days of, in sweat of thy brow, thou shalt eat bread all the days of thy life. So there you go. You have a choice. Choose wisely. On to the lecture. Conflict resolution. Here's the thing. Conflicts happen. Conflicts are inevitable. It's a mathematical certainty. If you're in a relationship longer than four months, it is a mathematical certainty that a conflict will come up. Hey, sometimes a conflict come up within the first four months. That's okay. Conflict is all about learning. See, here's the thing. People don't people think that conflict is a big negative and fighting and arguing is this big negative and everybody once once the first fight crops up. Let me pull this down. Once the first fight crops up, then that means, wow, the relationship is over. We're having conflicts. We're having struggles. I just need to get out of here. But con people don't understand that conflict is the main conduit of education. How do you learn to navigate anything? Again, go back to the Bible verse. That's man's conflict with life that God put in, that God set there. God said, life is going to be one big struggle for you, right? Man had to learn to navigate it. So how do you learn to navigate conflict? How do you learn to navigate these, how do you learn to navigate when two people are in a, are in a period of strife? Now, there are lots of, and there are lots of Bible passages about contentious women. I may, I may do that in a later show. I may, I may not. I may do that next week because this week is going to be another kind of crazy one for me. But, um, so I may do that next week about the contentious woman. I'm not going to do that today. But let's talk about, let's talk about resolving conflicts. What do you do? Well, first of all, how do you have a healthy conflict, first of all? Because a lot of people, for, yeah, let's go through this piece by piece. Healthy conflicts. Let's, let's have healthy conflicts for a second. Where do healthy conflicts come from? Healthy conflicts come from a place, first of all, it doesn't come from a place of solipsism. That's for sure. And women have kind of monopolized solipsism. It takes a, it really takes walking a mile in somebody's shoes to understand how bad solipsism is. And what I mean by solipsism is this, if you don't know. Some people know, some people don't. I'm going to explain it to you. 
Solipsism is like you're, it, solipsism is you're living in a bubble and you know nothing you know nothing about anything outside of this bubble, which means you live your life, right? You live your life and you live your experiences, and when you come across somebody, you can't identify with them because all you know is your experiences, and you haven't talked to or interacted with other people to find out how different experiences affect different people. All you know is your experience. All you know is your life. So you go around say you go around saying things that are considered insensitive or even racist or sexist or whatever because you're basing your opinions on your own life because you literally know nothing else. That's pretty that's solicit that's solipsism pretty much. It's kind of like saying um, it's kind of like saying there is no. It's kind of like saying. The patriarchy exists because this and this and this happened to me, right? Anecdotal evidence really rules, really rules solipsism. It's just full of anecdotal evidence. But the reason why you only have anecdotal evidence is because you've never, you've never left your own bubble. You've never left, you've never left your own tunnel. So you don't know. That's what that is. Now, a lot of times, yeah, it's ignorance, but a lot of times it's just. You just don't know, which is, I guess, the same thing, huh? So I guess it's it's willfully, a lot of times willfully not engaging with anything outside of your bubble. Well, no, there's, I don't know. I guess there's really no way I can exp go down that road to explain it. So I'm just going to drop that. But just suffice it to say, all right, this, Okay. <laughs> Healthy conflict resolution, well, how to have a healthy conflict involves putting yourself into somebody else's shoes or somebody else's emotion or somebody else's state of mind. Healthy conflict begins with understanding the feelings, the thoughts and feelings of others. Because when things happen, and again, conflicts are born out of two things, the unmet expectations and the, un, um, and the unexpected, the unexpected, not expecting the unexpected. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm having, I'm having trouble talking today. Um, just one of those days. Conflicts happen for two main reasons. One, unmet expectations. Two, not expecting the unexpected. Okay? Let's leave it at that for the point of this discussion. Now, you can you can stave off the severity of a, of a conflict by understanding the point of view and the state of mind of those you are having a conflict with. So this is your boyfriend, this is your husband that you're strifing with at the, at the time. Take yourself out of your solipsistic bubble and try to understand what it is that they're going through, right? And this goes for guys too. Guys, if this pops up, if this conflict pops up and the woman is, your woman is talking and talking and talking and talking like the women does. Just try to step outside, step outside of yourself and your own feelings. Listen to what she's saying and then extract the pieces. You have to extract the pieces that are relevant. Now, a lot of women just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and they'll throw out a lot of information. And within this information are little nuggets that you need to pick up on. And once you put these nuggets together, you have the basis of what's going on outside of everything else she's saying. Because she'll she'll talk and she'll talk about all kinds of stuff when these conflicts come up. She'll talk about all kinds of stuff. 
And it's your job to separate the wheat from the chaff. You have to, you have to get, you have to listen and pick out the nuggets that are relevant. You have to understand which nuggets are relevant first of all in order to pick them out. But once you once you've detected the relevant nuggets and pick pick them out and compile them, then you will understand. Then it'll just probably takes a little bit of understanding of, of her emotional state pair it together with these nuggets and you understand where the conflict is coming from so that you can you can quash the conflict accordingly. Women, it's a little easier for you because a man will just tell you what the problem is and why he's so pissed off. He'll tell you that he's pissed off and he'll tell you what the problem is. That's a, that's, that's a man for you. Whereas a woman, more, more often than not, they'll talk about all kinds of other subjects and situations and things like that. That really doesn't seem like it has relevance, but again, once you pick out the little nuggets from all the information that's being thrown at you, you will understand the basis of the conflict. So that's the difference. That's the difference in difficulty between men and women when it comes to addressing conflicts. So this is this is why this is. So in resolving conflicts, there's two really. There's really two standards. There's a standard for women. That's yeah. both standards involve. Both standards involve putting yourself in another person's shoes, yes. However, the, the degree of difficulty of resolving conflicts is much easier than it is for, for a man. Because for a man, there's so much information that you have to parse through. Whereas women, we just deal you the information and you just do with it whatever you do with it. You know, we'll deal you one or two lines and you deal with that. Those, you deal with those two lines what you will. And this is why I say... The conflict resolution, more often than not, is on the woman. Why? Because women tend to hold in the angst. And by the time she's ready to unload, and by the time conflict is ready to come up, there is a whole duffel bag's worth of stuff that the woman is holding on to. And by the time it's, by the time conflict is ready to come, she's ready to empty the duffel bag, right? So there's all this stuff that's coming out of this, and which is the basis for this conflict that that men have to that men literally have to sift through to pick out the important things. Whereas if a man's holding on to something, he's only going to take that one thing, and if another thing happens, he'll explode. So it's not like it's more like a jewelry box in a duffel bag. You know, it only holds like one or two things. So again, women, once you once you have that angst, you kind of you have to kind of be like men and just put it out there and give the man a chance to resolve it then instead of just holding on to it because again, you hold on you hold on to it. Stop holding on to things and holding on to things and holding on to things and holding on to things, and then when you're good and and when the teapot is ready to boil over. Now you're ready to empty this duffel bag on him. That's unfair to him. This is why I say, more often than not, conflict resolution is up to women because it's unfair for you to require him to pick through a whole duffel bag's worth of angst to try to pick out why you're why you're upset with him at this point in time. When all you have to do was when something upset you before, instead of putting it in the duffel bag and putting something else in the duffel bag and putting yourself in the duffel bag. Just tell him what's wrong, like the first time, and then let him correct it, and let him correct it, or let him do something about it. And then you don't have to put it in the duffel bag. You can keep the duffel bag empty. 
stress-free is the life that we're trying to live, right? Especially in relationships, stress-free. So I don't get why you'd want to make the stress worse by putting it in a stuffle bag, putting things in the stuffle bag, and then filling it up. And then by the time you're ready to put something else in the duffel bag, there's nothing else that can go. So you have to dump everything out on him because you're just good and pissed off that you can't get anything else else into the duffel bag. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm going to get to how I'm going to get to how we resolve this in a minute. But I just want to lay the groundwork for when, you know how conflicts come about. Men are simple. Men are linear. Men will see something wrong and they'll say something. And it's that time, it's at that time where you have a choice. You can either do something about it or not, right? I suggest for I suggest for your sake that you do something about it, unless you don't want to stay in a relationship. You don't want to stay in a relationship. Get the hell out of a relationship. It's that simple. Don't ignore men and their don't ignore men and their angst just because you think you're a woman, you can get something out of it. That's not how a relationship works. Not a healthy one, at least. But anyway, let's go back. These conflicts, these conflicts come up. And some are more serious than others, and I get it. There's some that's regarding finances or regarding infidelity and something like that. Financial conflicts can be resolved. Trust issues, not so much. That takes some work. Um, also physical addiction issues that take some work. So, um, again, those things, when conflicts happen around like physical addiction to substances like drugs and alcohol or whatever, or, um, a man being a serial cheater or whatever, sometimes it's not worth, the juice isn't worth the squeeze to try to resolve those conflicts because the truth of the matter is that when somebody's going to cheat, and this is for men, and this goes both ways, men and women, because we all know that there are a lot of women out there that do sleep around before they get married, and because they sleep around, and men do this too, so let me not be a sexist about this, but when people sleep around, here's the thing with sleeping around, and here's the thing why, here's the reason why it's not good for anybody to sleep around. Despite what some people say, some people say, oh, it's okay for men and not for women. Other people say it's okay for women, not for men. Let me tell you why it's not okay for anybody to sleep around. Because when you sleep around like that, even if it's 10 or 15, people say, oh, yeah, what if you're a virgin around you? That's two extremes. Well, even if it's 10 or 15 people, each person you sleep with without commitment trains your brain right? Trains you to psychologically separate sex and love. And that's not how that's supposed to be. So that by the time you get around to being married, you can't have sex with somebody you love because you, um, because in the course of sleeping around with people, your brain has learned to successfully disconnect, disconnect the feeling of the dopamine with the love, with the, or the dopamine and the oxytocin that comes out when you have sex with somebody that's supposed to be the bonding thing. Those supposed to be the bonding hormones when, or the bonding chemicals, not hormones, but bonding chemicals. Once you psychologically learn that those bonding hormones really aren't bonding hormones, then it's going to be really hard for you to bond with a husband, which is the reason why the chances of divorce are higher when people sleep around before they get married. And especially, 
and it's especially pronounced in women, which is why women file for 85% plus of divorces, not men, women. So with that information, which you will. Now, for, for things like having affairs and being addicted to drugs, sometimes the juice doesn't work to squeeze as far as conflict resolution. But pretty much anything else, it's, it, especially if you've been married 10, 15 years, it's really better to just resolve the conflict than to try to leave him, especially if this is a marriage or even a long-term relationship because people just aren't being people just aren't standing in front of the altar anymore, but they're in this long-term relationships. But even then, when you're in your 40s or touching your 50s or even into your 50s, and now you're talking about getting out on the dating market, what do you think is out there for you? And again, I talked about this in my show, and I'll talk about this again sometime this month. When you're older and you're trying to get out on the dating market, your expectations of such are a little bit in la-la land. But let's not go into that. Conflicts. So now you're having a uh, you're having a you're having a dispute with your partner, right? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever. You're having a dispute with them. How is it that? Well, first of all, is it okay? Because this is a question that I get a lot. Is it okay that you go to bed angry? And my answer is quite controversial. My answer is. It can be, okay? And here's here's the reason why I say that. I don't believe, I it, I don't believe, this is not a thing that I subscribe to, that you need to have the discussion before you go to sleep. And this is why. A lot of things need to be, a lot of things need to be, need to go unaddressed until the right time as such that needs to be addressed. What I mean, I, what I mean is, if it takes two or three days for the storm to pass, because you don't want, one thing you don't want to do is you've been arguing about something, right? And now the time has come to make a decision where, where you're going to keep talking about it or you're going to go to sleep. Why is it that the storm is still overhead? Things are still, things are still in a state of somewhat, somewhat in a state of turmoil. You haven't had it. You've been talking. You've been arguing about it. What do you think is going to happen if you if you start up the conflagration again by talking about by saying, "Well, we need to solve this. We need to resolve this." Like what? We need to do this before we. Okay, so you now you're taking now you're taking the storm and you're making it worse by putting a time crunch on it and putting that stress on it. So this is why I say sometimes, just sometimes. It's probably better if you go to bed angry because when you wake up, you you feel a little less stressed. The storm probably would have passed. Now, sometimes I get it. Sometimes you look at your partner when you wake up and you remember what happened. Okay, that is not the right time to bring up this discussion. When you look at the, the day you look at your partner and... You look at them indifferently, and those feelings don't come up. Maybe you're not in love with them, but you don't. But you don't look at them with anger anymore. That's the time to do it. That's the time to sit down and say, "You know what? Okay, we need to address what happened. What's going on?" When you're calm, when everything's passed over, once some time has happened, then you can come back and say, "Hey, we need to talk about this." And then when you talk about it, be honest, and don't use platitudes because 
a lot of people use platitudes just to just to get the problem gone, and that never gets the problem gone. All right, the problem is still there. You need to have an honest discussion. You need to have an honest discussion about how things make you feel. And men, this is where that whole being vulnerable thing comes in, because because one thing that I've come to understand is a lot of men take vulnerability as exposing yourself to exposing yourself to something hurtful purposely and having a good cry about it. And that's really not what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is just is the ability to look at something and express your feelings about it. That's that's all vulnerability is, is looking at a situation and be able to, being able to express how you feel about it. So if something happens at work, right? Let's say your coworker threw you on, something happened at work and your coworker threw you under the bus unnecessarily. And you come back with that. You come back home with that because it, you're burnt up now. And your wife says, hey, what's wrong? How do things go at work? Vulnerability is saying, you know what? Let me tell you what happened. I'm pissed off at Charlie because this happened. And instead of Charlie did this, me and Charlie were working on this project. Charlie did this. And instead of Charlie saying, you know, I did it, Charlie threw me under the bus. And I'm pissed off at Charlie. That's being vulnerable. That right there. It's not, it's not going home and crying in your wife's eyes because you're mad at Charlie. That's on your wife's eyes because you're mad at Charlie. That's not what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is being able to admit that you're pissed off at Charlie because Charlie threw you under the bus and being able to express that degree of anger. Like I could really kill Charlie, but I'm not, but I get it. And Charlie did what he, Charlie did what Charlie did. And that's the beginning of you coming to, coming to grips with your own anger and being able to resolve your own anger. So being able to admit that you're angry. This is what, it, this is what, this is the whole thing behind Alcoholics Anonymous. You have to admit there's a problem before you even begin to solve it. What AA teaches you to do. Once you admit that you're pissed off or something or you're depressed about something, maybe your dog or cat died and you tell your girlfriend, what's wrong? Well, I'm kind of depressed. Or she calls, hey, don't, feel, don't really feel like talking. I'm kind of depressed because my dog or my cat dies and give her a chance to be that solace for you. This is, this is, the, this is the, the era of conflict resolution is being able to be vulnerable. For both sides, really. But women, women are better at it than men. However, with women, women take the scenic route about it. They'll they'll be depressed about something, and women tell me if I'm wrong. And you're welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, by the way. Um, women, you you'll be depressed about something, but that something comes with being that something comes with all the other times that you were depressed about something. So you just kind of throw it all in one bag again, throw it all in the duffel bag. And then when it time when it comes time to be vulnerable to your man, you talk about yeah this time you're depressed, but you also throw in every other time that you've been depressed too, and you talk about all of that. Now again, that's a lot of information for one man to handle, all right? And it kind of behooves you, especially if you want him to listen to you, because here's the thing about men: a lot of men are what is be classified as ADD, and or actually not ADD. We're short attention span syndrome. That's we only have a limited attention span. So you really need to throw at us. If you're depressed about something, just throw it at us. Don't don't put it in the duffel bag and then when you can't fill the duffel bag anymore, then you unload all of this stuff and you talk about this and that and this and that and this and that and all the other times that you were depressed. Trying to get to the reason why you're depressed today. Don't do that because 
a man will tune out maybe after about three minutes of you talking about everything else. A man will just tune out before you even get to the get to the reason why you're depressed this time. But no, if, if you get if something depresses you or something upsets you or whatever, tell them right then and there. Just give them that one nugget of information and let them listen to you and then let them be there for you. Then you don't have to solve the problem because you know that we're, it's not in our most of the time it's not in our abilities. Just like women, women stop trying to solve our problems because a lot of times that's not that's not within your abilities. But just support us, just be there for us. Hold us, give us a hug, give us a kiss. Man, give your book, give your woman a hug, give your woman a kiss. Hold, hold them, let them, let them take comfort in your in being close to you. Again, this is where skin contact comes into comes into favor because skin contact means energy transference, and energy transference is very good for people who are in a pretty destitute state of mind. So get that skin contact going, hold them close, get that energy transference, try to put yourself into, try to imagine what they're feeling or how you would feel, how you particularly would feel in that situation. And then treat them accordingly. This is for men, this is both for men and women, for all, for all spectrums of relationships. This is the ones where I can include gays and lesbians and everybody else. This is good for everybody, all right? Because I know, I understand a lot of my shows are pointing at heterosexual couples. But conflict resolution is for everybody. And when you talk about, when you talk about settling the fight, you know, then you have to know how to, you have to know how to approach the situation. And in approaching the situation, you have to step out of yourself, right? You have to step out of yourself and Put yourself into the situation. You have to insert yourself into the situation and think about it how they would think about it. Or try to feel, try to understand why they're feeling about it, the way they're feeling about it. And if you know your partner as well as you think you do, it should be easy. It should be really easy. The thing is, you got to kind of learn your partner. And again, this is where you have to drop the solipsism. You have to drop the, it's all about me attitude that a lot of people are bringing into relationships now nowadays. It's all about me, 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 and what I want, and my expectations, and my requirements, and my demands, and you have to do this for me. And everybody, not everybody, but men and both men and women are bringing this. This is where the whole, what are you bringing to the table thing? And a lot of people, reason why a lot of people fail that question of what are you bringing to the table is because you don't, a lot of people don't understand what the other party wants. Now, a lot of, um, a lot of the videos that I saw have men asking women about bringing something to the table. Like, okay, what, what are your requirements? And women will say, well, he needs to be this tall and he needs to make this amount of money and he needs to be physically fit. He needs to be this and he needs to be that and he needs to be that. And then they ask the woman, well, okay, cool. What do you bring into the table? What do you bring into this relationship? And they say me, or they say my companionship, or they say my love. And it's like, do you understand what it is that men, that you need to do for men in a relationship? Because you, just bringing you, isn't enough. Just like, and I'm sure if, I don't know, because I haven't seen any videos asking men. Because 
one of the more interesting shows that I've done was the dad bod versus Chad bod. Because everybody, the common not well, not everybody, but the common knowledge out there was that women want men that are tall and physically fit or whatever, right? They have this, they have the wrestler's body or the swimmer's body, you know, broad shoulders and a slim mid, a slim waist and six pack and and then when I put out when I put out the question to my almost five thousand followers on my personal Facebook, and a lot of them responded. A lot, most, the majority of them. Now there were some that said chatbot, but the majority of them said dadbot. So that challenged the narrative right there. That right there challenged the narrative. So again, men, what are what what can you do to challenge the narrative of your own beliefs? What can you learn about women that challenges the narrative of your own beliefs? Do you believe that all women want is somebody that's tall and handsome and makes six figures? Because I can almost guarantee that that is not the case. Not all women want that. Some women are looking for down-to-earth guys, down-to-earth plumber-type guys. Maybe they grew up in a family that were blue-collar workers like that, and they want a blue-collar man. They don't want a professional man. Maybe maybe there's just some women who are jaded with professional men. They're looking for a blue-collar man. Maybe there are high-earning executive women that understand what it is, what was going on with high high earning executive men and they don't want to deal with that. They want to deal with somebody that's down to earth making sixty thousand dollars a year and they don't mind being the being the main breadwinner because maybe just maybe some people, some women, money is not what they money is not what they're looking after, after all. So what can you do to challenge your narratives? And then you take that narrative challenge and you apply it to your conflict resolution. Because again, one of the things, one of the main components of conflict resolution is being able to put yourself into that person's shoes. And once you put yourself in that person's shoes and understand how it is that they, how it is that they think about and how it is that they feel, how they come to be this, how they come to feel about it the way they do, you would understand how to treat them and make them feel better. It's all about being there for somebody. All right. It's all about being there for your partner. This is why I excoriated these profiles last Saturday the way I did, because nothing in any of the profiles that I read, and really nothing in the, in any of the profiles that I've been that I've read since I've been doing the profile examination, I've, I haven't found a profile yet that leads me to think anything about the conflict resolution skills, and that's one of the main pieces of being in a relationship. And Again, if you're talking about being in a long-term relationship and you don't say anything about conflict resolution in the profile, and you don't have to directly mention conflict resolution. However, again, when you're advertising yourself, one of the main components of advertising yourself is saying is telling your target audience what it is that you will you will do for them. Because that's what every great advertising campaign is all about. So when you go advertising yourself, part of it is telling them what you want to do. And I even gave the example last Saturday. I said, if it were me, I would tell them that. I would tell them something along the lines of, I know you, I know we all have hard days and I know we all have times that we all have times that we just wish we were somewhere or somebody else. And it's at that time that I want to be there for you. I would say something to that effect in my profile because that gives you, that gives you a glimpse into my into my feeling about conflict and conflict resolution. 
Again, conflicts are going to come up. Well, how do we resolve conflicts? One, we understand we understand our partner and we understand where our partner is coming from. And then we offer words of support, not words of not words of combat or words of strife. We we actually offer we actually offer support. Now, if it's a personal thing that's between you, a like I said in a previous show, not I'd rather take timely communication over good communication. Communication doesn't always have to be good, but if it's timely, if it's done at the right time and no, not before and not after, if it's done exactly at the right time, you will resolve that conflict with as few words as possible. You will. Sometimes it's just a, sometimes it's just simple. You know what? I'm sorry. I didn't think about you know. There's just certain things that I didn't think about. And now that I had a chance to think about it, I understand that I was wrong. I'm sorry. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is bringing yourself out of the clouds and thinking that you always have to be right. And it's coming down, understanding that it's your fault, men and women, understanding that it's your fault, especially you women, because you women, it seems like a lot of you women are just allergic to any kind of accountability. And sometimes, just sometimes, if you do something wrong, then understand that you did something wrong and then say, you know what? Now that I thought about it, now that you talk, now that you talk, talk to me about it, and I had the chance to think about it, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. It doesn't have to be this whole conversation. Sometimes it just re- it just takes a realization that you were wrong, whether you're a man or a woman, it just takes a realization that you're wrong and then saying I'm sorry. And then, right after that, you may or may not choose to discuss the expectation going forward. You know what? And And saying, you know what? You're right. And... Going forward, I'm going to do this, this, and this anytime this comes up. And then coming to an agreement on what those expectations are. Maybe the maybe you'll say, well, I'll do this, this, and this. And then your partner says, no, that's not necessary. Just understand that this, this, and that. So you come to an agreement on what the expectations are. You do that, you'll be fine. Again, I'll, I will take that over, over, um, I'll take that at a time leap point, maybe a couple of days later, but I'll take that over the increased stress of trying to resolve it under a time crunch. This is what I'm trying to say. So again, when we're talking about when we're talking about when one person wronged another person in the relationship, then it just again, even a bird that flies high has to come down to the ground to get a drink of water. So bring yourself out of the clouds and understand what you did wrong, even though you may not think it was wrong. Sometimes what you, you do what you think is right, even though it's wrong. Look at Eve. Eve. Eve looked at the fruit, and even though she was wrong, she thought it was right because the serpent beguiled her, so she thought it was right. You know, she, did, she, she didn't put her trust and faith in God at that point and what God had to say. She thought for just a split second that maybe God is wrong. And God wasn't wrong, but she had it in her brain that eh, maybe God wasn't wrong, and maybe I could just do this. And she did, and she found out that God was right. And at that point, she had a choice. And I didn't read this part of Genesis, but at that point, God came around. God asked her, Eve, because they couldn't find Adam or Eve, because Adam and Eve, once they bit the fruit, they looked down and they saw that they were naked. Before, they were they were naked and they were not ashamed because they didn't realize that they were naked. When they ate the fruit, they realized they were naked and they were embarrassed. They didn't want God to see them, see that they were naked. 
So they hid. God came around and he couldn't find him. He said, hey, where are you? And I think it was Adam that said, we hid ourselves because we're naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Hey, wait, did you eat from the tree? Because the only way they would realize that they were naked is if they ate from the tree. So God said, did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? At that point, Eve, Eve had a choice. Okay, this is this is conflict. And conflict resolution would have said, you know what, you know, God, I ate of the tree, and I was wrong for that. You know, instead, Adam says, instead of Adam, and Adam could have said that too. Adam said, yes, we did eat from the tree. God, we apologize. Um, yeah, the serpent may, serpent may have beguiled us, but we ate from the tree that you commanded us not to eat. And we were humbly, we humbly apologize. God, Adam could have done that. And God probably wouldn't, God would have punished him, but not as bad as he did. Instead, Adam said, well, well, the woman you gave me, she gave me, she gave it to me to eat. This just threw Eve under the bus. And God turned to Eve and said, did you, did you do what he told you? What he's telling me you did? And then Eve threw the serpent under the bus. Well, the serpent beguiled me, so I ate. Throwing the serpent under the bus. So God punished all three of them. When it comes to conflict resolution, stop looking for stop looking for the other person or the situation or things. If you did something wrong, admit that you did something wrong. Come out of the clouds. It's it's nine times out of ten, it's gonna be fine. Will you have to will you have to pay penance? Probably so. However, it won't be as bad. It's not gonna have as much of an effect on your relationship as it as it would if you refuse to take any kind of accountability. Again, this is one of the reasons how I came to be divorced. Because as I learned to take accountability for my for the things that I've done. And before we got divorced, I've taken I took accountability for the things that I did. I said, look, I know I did this, and I was wrong. I was wrong for doing this. Okay, this thing. Yes, things happened, but I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have did what I did, and it's true. I shouldn't have done what I did. However, both parties have to take accountability for the things that happened, because for everything that for everything, not everything, because understood that some, with some people things are just going to happen anyway, just because that's just who they are. But if you have a good, if you have a good one in your midst, I'm going to close with this. If you have a good person in your midst, in your orbit, in your relationship, and he's not addicted, he's not having affairs, he's not an alcoholic. He's every in every way they're a good person. I'm saying he, but I meant he or she. And they're otherwise a great person, a great person, and they don't have any of those signs. So they're a great person all around. It's just that things happen. Things happen and there's a breakdown somewhere in the relationship. Understand that the breakdown in the relationship isn't unilateral. There's always a catalyst. And then there's the effect. So the catalyst, when when it happens, you have to examine what the catalyst is. And if the catalyst, again, like there was a lot of breadcrumbs that if you look back on the trajectory of why why we ended up in marriage counseling anyway... And I tried to tell my ex there's a trail of bread there's a trail of breadcrumbs there, and I'm trying to explain to you what it was. But you don't for some reason you don't think you did anything wrong. And I'm trying to tell you where this went wrong. 
and it went kind of went wrong with you. You know, and again, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. However, it kind of went wrong with you, and you have to understand that there are just certain things that you believe is is okay that is not okay. And as long as you keep believing that these things are okay and they're not, it's not going to work. And I couldn't bring it, or I couldn't bring her around to change her beliefs, and it ultimately ended up in the in the demise of our marriage. And it took her six years afterward, but she's finally coming around to understanding what it is I was trying to tell her back before we got divorced. She's finally understanding it. This sad that it took a divorce for it to happen, but that's okay because my girlfriend, my girlfriend's phenomenal. I'll just say that. However, when these conflicts, when these conflicts rear their ugly heads, then follow the breadcrumbs and chase it back. Trace it back to the original, again, trace it back to the original sin. And if the original, whoever the original sin falls on, it's up to them to, to come out of the clouds, realize that they were wrong, and then humble themselves. And pretty much, are you going to pay penance? Yes. But doing that is better than passing the buck or throwing under the bus or otherwise kicking the can down the road. And it's just doing that will just further destroy your relationship. So again, when it comes to conflict resolution, chase it back. Find out where the problem was and then wipe wipe it off the table with once and for all. And you do that by you do that by owning it, understanding where understanding the prop the thought processes of why you may or may not have thought it was okay, whatever the case is. And then coming to uh, coming to accept yourself, coming to change that, and then accepting yourself, because that's kind of what I had to do after I after I moved out of uh, after I moved out of the house, and well, that whole thing happened. But when I came to be on my own, I had to forgive myself for a lot of the things that I thought were okay that actually weren't, and I had to see that the things that I thought were okay weren't really okay, and then I had to say. Hey, that wasn't okay, and I'm never going to think that again. And then I had to forgive myself for thinking that and for doing the things that I'd done under those thoughts. I had to, for, I literally had to forgive myself and then build myself from there. And I'm so glad that I did. That, my friends, is how you resolve conflict. I may be see. Thanks for listening. You can catch me on social media. Um, just look up J Ramsey ABC. Uh, look up, look for Jesse Ramsey ABC or J Ramsey ABC. Usually on social media, I'm at J Ramsey ABC. Except if you're on Facebook, just search me. Search me by name, Jesse Ramsey. Um, and you'll see my, you see a public page that I kind of post to sometimes. I had it for my campaign for when I ran for state and all these other things, but um, I still have that page up. And then I made a page for the show, the ABC podcast on Block Talk Radio. So I have a, I have a page for, and you're more than welcome to post things on that page. I don't, you know, I don't reject anybody. I don't take down posts, even for my detractors and people who call themselves who don't call themselves fans of mine for whatever reason. They want to come and post their BS. I don't, no, I don't do, unless it's very problematic, like advocacy of violence or harm to animals or anything along those lines. Anything along the lines of psychopathy, I'll remove them. But if it's just a disagreement, then yeah, post your piece. I don't care. So go ahead and you know, go ahead and give me your, your opinions on my show. 
posted on the page. Also, you can find me again, Blog Talk Radio. I do this every every day, every weekday from eleven to twelve, and Saturdays from four to six. So that's my schedule here. Now Thursday, there's not going to be a show because I got to go to Tukwila. Tomorrow there will be. Thursday there won't be. Friday Friday there will be. So that's how that's going to go. Um, so that's my daily schedule. Also, you can catch me on demand here on Blog Talk Radio. You can catch me on SoundCloud, and then you can catch me also on Apple Podcasts. And the, the show is free. I don't charge for it. You just go. Um, you can subscribe to my show and catch all the episodes. And they're 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 posted on Apple Podcasts when I'm done with it. But as soon as if you catch it as soon as I'm done with it, the audio is not going to be because usually I replace the Blog Talk Radio audio with something higher quality. So there's that. So if you wait a little bit. Maybe an hour or so. Well, so if you go to Apple Podcast show the show on Apple Podcast, an hour after I'm wrapped, I'm I've wrapped up. An hour after I've wrapped up, you'll get the high, you get the higher quality audio. That's how that goes. So, thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow because we're going to do the Wednesday thing where I read from relationship blogs and I tear those apart because of the crappy relationship advice they give. And I tell, I give you the real advice, keeping it 100, and tell you where they go wrong. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to do that. Oh, oh, and I also want to say happy new year It's 2024. So go out and make 2024 the best you can go out and find that person. If you're single, go out and find that person. If you're, if you are in some kind of a relationship, make sure that every day this year that you make sure you know how much and you're, your partner knows how much you appreciate them for just being in your life because honestly it didn't have to happen it's it's a blessing that they are like that that they are in your life it's really a blessing and again it didn't have to be that way you could be just single and lonely and not all single people are lonely i get it but you know it's it sometimes it is nice to have somebody in your corner like that who can who will be there who will be your support and be your rock now, again, I'm going to do a show on the contentious woman because it's content. the contentious woman will bring misery to a relationship, and we're going to do that show. But if your partner's not contentious, then that's a beautiful relationship. So make sure they know how, make sure they know how much they mean to you every day this year, including Valentine's Day, even though I boycott it for other reasons. So that's that. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm ABC. We'll see you tomorrow at 11. I'm out. Remember, the future is whatever you make of it. Now go out there and make the daily world a better place.